0: Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do, the podcast where I, your host, Edder, Dennis Maller, interview artists and entertainers about their day jobs. And today on the podcast, Guy Branham, comedian Guy Branham, from Talk Show, The Game Show, uh, and his uh, book coming out, uh, My Life as a Goddess. And, of course, he's going to be at Laugh Boston this weekend, uh, December 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. I think those are the days? No, it's 20th. Here's the thing I should have looked up. It's the 20th through the 22nd, because the 23rd is a Friday. Because uh, the 14th is also a Friday, and I have something on the 14th. I forgot what it was, but uh, it is not a show that I'm on. At least I don't think. But anyway, uh, guy, it was great talking, to guy. We talked over Skype, uh, and I hope the audio is to your liking. There is, uh, I will admit, a little bit of an audio problem, and that audio problem is you can hear me breathing heavily while guy is talking because. I've become a fat lard butt again. So that has been one of my biggest fears. Uh, One thing I noticed when I lost a lot of weight is you didn't hear me in the background of of my podcast interviews going, "Ah." and uh, unfortunately it happened uh, now with Guy. And uh, yeah, so there's my life now. Anyway, I got to lose weight. Um, this interview was done in conjunction with uh, L- Dig Boston, which is the newspaper the alternative weekly that I uh, write for, which though I have not written for <laughs> since I lost my job in August. Even though I've had t- plenty of time to do interviews and read uh, or interviews and do writings, I have not done it. So I'm sorry. But that's all going to change uh, with this. Uh, we got Guy in here. And we're going to have some more coming up. So podcast is going to be running and I will also be uh, doing plenty of uh, interviews for the newspaper as well. So it's going to be a fun time. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this interview of me and Guy. It's a short one uh, because I didn't want to take up too much of his time out there in London. We uh, put this together quite briefly um, and with a small window of his time. So I didn't want to take up too much of it. Um, but I think he was a great interv- uh, great person to interview. He seemed like he had fun with it. Uh, a little bit and uh that he enjoyed it so hopefully you also enjoy my talk with comedian talk show host and writer guy branham all right sir hi how are you how's things going in london
1: it's going great how are things going in boston
0: uh it is uh cold and uh miserable uh so that's how i'm doing
1: well, I'm preparing myself for the cold and misery of New England uh, by getting some quality time in the first one.
0: Uh, oh, yes. In the original England. Uh, yes. Oh, by the way, before I forget, uh, Ken Reed wanted me to tell you he said hi. Oh,
1: cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big Ken Reed fan. Yeah. Good guy.
0: Great guy. I uh, enjoy hanging out with him the few chances I get because he loves staying in his house and avoiding the world, which is a brilliant strategy, if you ask me. Don't
1: oh, we all?
0: <laughs> um, by the way, what are we doing in London? Are we there for a holiday, or are we doing
1: shows? Yeah, no. I, I did a couple of shows while I was here, but I was mostly just, like, um, having fun.
0: Oh, so a little bit of both. That's excellent. Um yeah. Let's uh, start with where I think I originally—I don't think I originally—I think I already knew of you before this, but you um, used to be a writer for G4, which is one of my favorite uh Channels to watch when I had like nothing to do because I don't do video games, but it felt yeah. like early MTV, so that's why I loved watching like uh, Attack of the Show and X Play. Um, how did you originally get involved with writing with G4?
1: Um, my friend Laura Swisher, who is actually a producer at the Podcast Network I have a podcast at now, uh, hosted a show there, and she was a comic and she recommended me for a job, and then I just never stopped working there for four years. I started working there in San Francisco in 2004 um, and at the end of 2007 uh, I was still working there. Um, And it was so much fun because I'm also not a video game person.
0: Yeah, I I feel like video games is not brand for you.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is is I do like video games, but I like really boring video games. I've always maintained I like video games with either gardening or budget. (laughs) Um, But, um, Uh, It was really cool, I mean, but I am a nerd, and like, um, you know, getting to sort of like stick your hands into nerd culture and really romance it was really fun. Um, Just the other day, I was watching the the best video games of 2005 retrospective, which is one of the first things I wrote for X-Play, and really being astounded by the work I did when I still really tried when I was writing something.
0: Uh, and speaking of writing, let's talk – uh, let's go further than that because you do a lot of writing for TV shows and I'm curious uh, when it comes to people who do both stand-up performance uh, and then also do uh, writing where they're behind the scenes. What's the – for you, what's the main difference between like writing for a TV show, writing for stand-up and then also writing for uh, like the new book that you just had come out?
1: Well, the thing about writing for a TV show is like you have a boss who's going to yell at you and potentially fire you or, you know, do your job. So you end up doing your job. Stand up is one of those things where you like you have to, you know, if you don't push yourself, you won't grow and you won't create new stuff. And sort of it's easy for me um, as a person who grew up working class to just focus on like the job with the boss and not the stuff that is like taking care of myself. Um And the the book was an an interesting place in between because I knew I had to get it done, but uh, uh, my editor was very sort of like, you do it your way um, in, in your process, and I spent half of the time just being scared of writing it. Um, and then half of the time, just writing as quickly as I could. My <laughs> book, My Life as a Goddess, is available wherever books are sold. Please buy it today. <laughs> That's
0: what I should say. Uh, we will put a, 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 an Amazon link or a link to your uh, to the book on the website in the uh, article as well. Thank you. Um, now, uh, when you write for uh, – uh, uh, you have your own talk show. Was it strange going from writer's room to stage for you on that a little bit?
1: Well, no, because I had done the show, Top Show and the Game Show on True TV, as a live show for such a long time. Oh. That I like, really knew the show inside and out. And once we were actually getting to do it on like a nice stage with, I mean, I would say bigger celebrities, but when we were doing a live show, we had Diablo Pony and, Ooh. you know, Retta and lots of really great people on. Um, but it was really interesting being, having a show of my own for the first time and really trying to, like, pick up the lessons of the good bosses I've had for how to get good stuff out of people like Billy Eichner is astoundingly good at making everyone feel really loved and appreciated for the work that they do even if he's not going to use it Um, or like uh, Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb from X-Play were just they did such a good job of loving and appreciating the work I did and then putting those perfect cherries on top because they were so funny and so knowledgeable about games um, that I it was like I want to be like those people, but then I wasn't. I was a
0: mediocre. Boss. Hmm. Um, by the way, can we get? A, I love talk show, the game show because I love uh, when comedians just to get. Uh, you know, and thank you so much for doing a show where comedians just get to do. Uh, just to get to tell jokes. That's all they're essentially doing. They get to, to tell jokes in story form. They get to make up jokes on the fly. Um, which I think we're at a real renaissance with, with like shows like At Midnight, uh, Your Show, Roast Battle, Goddamn Comedy Jam. Uh, was it important for you when you were creating this talk show originally as a live show and now a TV show to have comedian, feature comedians on it as well as celebrities?
1: Yeah, I and mean, the thing is, is doing it live. Comedians were just the people I had access to, and I think comedians are great at panel. Um, and so, when this happened here, I'm currently in Britain, and they have this rich world of like panel shows and panel game shows that are all about comedians just like riffing and having a good time. And with the exception of that midnight, we haven't really been able to make one of those that like stick sticks in the United States. Uh, and I hope somebody, possibly me, figures it out.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm, uh, Graham Norton was one of my first uh, experiences with British panel shows, and I'm like, "This is great." He has all these three huge celebrities just sitting together and talking. Um, I would yeah, love to see cool. more than that instead of the ten, you know, the, the quick seven minute interview with whomever is plugging a movie at the time. Um, so I'm glad that you're doing that, and thank you. Um, no, you. If I'm correct, you went to law school.
1: Yep, I went to the University of Minnesota Law School.
0: Go Gophers. <laughs> is, is there a mascot really? The Gophers? Yep. Oh, wow. That that strikes fear in the heart of landscapers everywhere.
1: True.
0: Uh, so, uh, now, you went to law school. I don't think you uh, – you obviously never pursued law, but uh, I, I know there's been a couple other comedians who have been lawyers, like Greg Geraldo, and I had another uh, example somewhere. But do you think uh, learning to debate –
1: yeah, Fabulous as is a lawyer. Uh, Raj Desai is a lawyer. I'm trying to think of – There, uh, Dimitri Martin went to law school, but didn't finish. Yes,
0: I think Um, that was yeah. No, Dimitri Martin was the one I uh, the example I wrote down on another piece of paper that's not near me. But uh, what I was wondering: Do you think going to school to learn uh, to both research and debate um, is uh, beneficial to comedians, or it is something that leads them into comedy?
1: Um, That's that's a really close observation of the link between the two things. I think it really comes down. To it, it is really helpful as a comedian. I, I think that people who like the law and like comedy both like being coercive with words. And so I think it is similar interest. But I think that law school really helps you get good at researching something and being able to fit it into a pattern. Um, like you have to, you know, if you're saying something's uh uh, a battery you have to say that somebody got touched you have to say that that touch was non-consensual you have to say um yeah that's all you really have to say I, and that 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 touch uh was outside of the the normal sort of touching you have to deal with in real life why am i listing the elements of battery because in a joke you also have elements you have a premise you have a setup. you have a punch line you have rule of threes you have mr x you have all of these things that you have to do structurally and i think being able to look at the world and take facts and sort of like reshape them to meet that structure um, is just as good for the bullshit art of comedy as it is for the bullshit art of the law.
0: Excellent answer. Um, and, are you, and you've written a book. You wrote for TV shows. Uh, but you also do stand up. And I like asking people this question. Um, do you feel you're more a writer or do you feel you're more a performer?
1: I'm more of a writer because uh, America doesn't have famous gay male stand-up <laughs> comedians, and I got rent to pay. Um,
0: but I mean, uh, do you think your strong suit is writing over performing?
1: No. Okay. Uh, I think when I started out, people were like, it's funny. When I started out, people were like, you seem more of a writer. You seem like more of a writer. And the thing is, is that um, these days, like, you know, I I responded by that by trying to learn as much as I could about performance. Um And and not just performance, but like stand up and what good engaging stand up is. And I think at this point in time, I rely far too much on my performance skills and need to write some new jokes. Um, (laughs) I, you know, crowd work, talking to the audience and that kind of thing is so much fun. And it's such a great way to, like, engage with an audience and get to know them.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause I, as a comedian myself, I see I'm, I'm a better performer than writer. So I'm always interested in the seeing people who are the opposite, who are, I, oh, I write better than I perform or uh, vice versa. So, um, and speaking of writing, you used to, uh, well, not speaking of writing, let's say it this way. Um, as a comedian, we're in a day and age where, uh, we're put on the chopping block. So much for the things that we say and things we joke about openly. I am um, i wouldn't say you're an offensive comedian at all, but I know you say things that can be polarizing or can make people rear back. But uh, if I understand, that was a, a gift that you had earlier than uh, before you started doing stand up with an article you wrote uh, when you were at college.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think comedy should be transgressive. I don't think comedy should beat up on people who the world's been spent a bunch of time beating up on. Uh, but the college story is when I was at Berkeley, uh, I wrote a column about the fact that uh, then first daughter, Chelsea Clinton, had just started at um, Stanford and was talking about privilege and stuff. Uh, and I said that she represented like Stanford's ethos of establishment worship, which has to be destroyed, um, which got quoted in the Associated Press as Chelsea Clinton must be destroyed because they wrote an article (laughs) about it because you weren't supposed to talk about how the president's daughter was going to college. And long story short, the Secret Service came to my house and decided to investigate me. Um, so that was very terrifying, but an important leg introduction to the importance of free speech in America. (laughs) um
0: uh, uh so you uh, you did bring up the mention that, uh or you did bring up the mention you brought up earlier that uh that you are a a a of size uh and I know you have done plenty of articles and you've talked about it in your own stand up too about um how upset you get with certain representations for example, I think you're not a big fan of uh like brokeback Mountain is that correct
1: oh Um, no, I love Brokeback Mountain. Uh, you know, I just don't necessarily love it when, uh, like, I do get annoyed by the fact that they always cast straight guys to play gay guys, but sometimes I think it's good. I think Brokeback Mountain was good. I think that, um, Moonlight was really good. Um, I love Calm By Your Name. I just, like, sometimes, like, there are straight guys who are acting like, oh, I don't want to have to kiss anybody, or like... You know, I'm just tired of watching gay guys' best – or straight guys' best speculation of what gay sex looks like. It's like there are gay actors out there. Try them. Or if you're going to cast a straight guy, he needs to try really fucking hard and do some fucking research. I'm not allowed to say square words, right?
0: No, oh, say whatever you want. No, that's perfectly awesome. Cool. Um, and then uh, on the other side of that, I think – I remember a while ago you had a problem with certain actors using fat suits as well.
1: Uh, I mean, I think fat suits are done. I, I even think, you know, uh, I think a lot of the, I wrote a, ch- uh, a chapter of my book about it that was, uh, excerpted in vulture. So if anyone wants to see my, like my more composed thoughts about that, they can go read that. But like, I got tired of shows like this is us portraying fat people just as like sad sacks. who don't have anything in our lives. It's like, calm down. We're doing fine. Like Stop. Pathologizing us,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm very well annoyed with the 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 culture of uh things are funny just because the person who is saying it is fat. Like, uh, yeah. I like Miss L- Melissa McCarthy as a comedian, but every time she has to like lean on the crutch of this is funny because I'm overweight, just makes me go ugh. Like the uh in uh the um uh, the movie with her and Kristen Wiig, where she's being all sexy on the airplane. I'm like. This, wouldn't be, this is funny here, but it's only funny because she's overweight, whereas I would love the, a better crafted joke from person to person. Do you have a similar feeling towards that style of comedy?
1: I mean, I think it really depends. I think Melissa McCarthy always gives us rounded characters, and that's all I'm really asking for. Like, I didn't really have that much of a problem. I didn't really have a problem with that. I thought that that was a beautiful character who you started out seeing in a really reductive way and as the movie went on she grew um and you saw more of her uh and you understood her as a like real human character and I I loved it um I mean everybody's got their own perceptions but that's the thing I, I mean I I would never invalidate like your sort of like perception of that thing because it's like it affects everybody in different ways you know but yeah I do get tired of like when you when it is a ha ha they're fat you're saying they're not a person and to some extent yeah. a scene like that one on the air on the airplane is sort of saying like wouldn't it be ridiculous if fat people had sexualities and of course fat people have sexualities we have great appetites <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and then uh, since you you've been in the entertainment industry uh, with TV and everything almost nearly twenty years that sounds about right.
1: I'm very
0: old. Yes. <laughs> um, and I've, maybe you've noticed, maybe you haven't, I haven't. Um, I've been doing a lot of acting and movie gigs in uh, recently more than I used to. Um, and I'm starting to notice do you think, do you feel that in the 90s, maybe we were more, uh, 90s and prior, that we were a little more um, in the industry accepting of people who weren't perfect bodies and who, you know, perfect faces, perfect bodies, whereas today it's harder for someone who doesn't fit traditional. Uh, good-looking norms to make it in the movie industry. Like, I don't – a good example is do you think Danny DeVito would ever be a star if he had started out today as compared to the 70s? Well, I mean – As an example.
1: I I think things have have grown so much. Like, I think particularly for women, you know, uh, I don't know because I was going to say like somebody like Nina Dunham being the center of a show – um, you know, who just has a, a body like a normal woman's body is, you know, relatively groundbreaking and some people are very upset by it and, you know, owning her sexuality. But then also like on the subject of Danny DeVito, we did have Rhea Perlman 30 years ago, 35 years ago. Um, I don't know. I I feel like people are more aware of it now and are trying to sort of like push it hard. I just know they're like, um, Uh, On the CW, the the one thing I know is we're definitely not allowed to do anything serious or important on the CW because that is just for hot (laughs) 26-year-olds.
0: Yes. Uh, Yeah, and I think that's where my perception is. Sometimes I watch those uh, shows like The Gifted or Arrow, stuff like that, and I'm like – it, they're just hiring pretty, pretty people who are charming and maybe aren't as skilled as somebody like a Rhea Perlman was or um, a, yeah. a, a, she- a Shelly DeLong or someone like that. Whereas, I mean, I Shelly DeLong was very beautiful for her day and age, but I don't think she compares to like Katie Cassidy in beauty standards compared to the personal or compared to the general
1: population. Well, post trends, we also did a lot of just casting comedies with a bunch of hot people, and that it doesn't always work out. Sometimes you need people who are funny.
0: Uh, exactly. And then uh, I think uh, this will be the last one, and I'll let you uh, go about your day, sir. And I appreciate your time. Um, as one interviewer to another interviewer, what do you think makes for a good interview, and what makes for good
1: interview questions? Um, The answer to the first part of the question is alcohol. And the answer to the second part of the question is asking asking people something that they don't expect that gets at who they are that also doesn't make them feel attacked. Challenged, yes, but not attacked. I would say that you did a really nice job of opening up with that g4 question because it's not something i get a lot it is something i love and treasure it was you saying hey i know about you know we have a shared like knowledge base and interest base um and it really helped me open up for the rest of the for the rest of the interview and i think it was a really great choice
0: oh well thank you um uh yeah, I I I try to go personal with people, open up because uh, since I started doing these for Dick Boss, I find that um a lot of the people I've talked to have been very defensive, opening uh, at the at the get, uh and then it's I I got to figure that I don't know if it's uh, I mean I don't know if if you feel this way, but I think sometimes when I call these uh, call people for these interviews, they're just like. Uh okay, yeah, I'll go through this. And I was like, I don't want that conversation as one comedian to another. I want it to be jovial and, and happy and, and close, even though I don't know you at all, so.
1: What's ridiculous is if I had to drive somewhere or if I was going to a TV show and was being put, picked up four hours ahead of time and sitting in a green room, that is infinitely more annoying to my life, but it gets me into a headspace that says, all right, guy, now it's time to sparkle. But when you're just, like, cracking open Skype... Um, you're like, what's going on <laughs> and then it's happening, even though you're able to do it very conveniently from your Airbnb in London. <laughs> um, oh,
0: and, uh, this is the last question. This is a question I ask all of my, uh, of uh, people in this, is, uh, this will be the last one is, uh, is there ever a question, uh, in an interview or, um, situation like this that you've never been asked, but always wanted to be asked?
1: Oh, it's funny. Um. Uh, my friend Sophie Hagen, that, that's what she asked in every one of the podcasts. Um, <gasps> Damn her. And I forget what my answer was, um, but I would say – right now I'm going to say, Guy, do you have a good peach cobbler recipe? <laughs> OK. Guy, do you have
0: a good peach cobbler recipe?
1: Yes, it's actually in, uh, I think, chapter 14 of my book, My Life is a Goddess, available wherever books are sold. (laughs) I love setting people
0: up for the plugs. Thank you for giving me that opportunity to do that, Mr. Branham. All righty, cool. This was great and wonderful. Sorry about the troubles up at the beginning with Skype. I think apparently they have me as two different accounts, and I was calling you from one, and I gave you the other, and they're like one letter off difference. And I think that's the problem that I'm going to have to spend the afternoon fixing. Um, So I will let you go. You have a great day in London. I will see you. Uh, when you come in to Laugh and I'll drop off a, uh, a print copy of this for you if you want to frame or send to your mother or just throw in the trash can. Um, it will be yours to do whatever you will with and I'll drop that off for you there. Thanks so much. All right, we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye.